electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Bring in show music, please. This is Squawk Pod. I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on our podcast, The Road to Recovery, Unpacking the Consumer, From Wallets to Worries, with CNBC's Steve Leisman. The question for the broader economy, now one of spread, spread of the Delta variant, spread of fear that could derail the return to economic activity, especially things like services that's propelled the rebound so far. And the Taliban on social media. Should Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube be doing more? We'll hear from investor Kevin O'Leary. One man's terrorist is another man's freedom fighter. And although that statement is difficult to digest, it is a fact. And the Anti-Defamation League's Jonathan Greenblatt. Whether you're an elected official or a terrorist figure, anyone who incites violence against others, the companies have the right as publishers to say they choose not to put that on. Those stories, plus gearing up for some post-COVID wardrobe peacocking. I'm not a peacock. I love peacock. Buzzard, maybe. It's Thursday, August 19th, 2021. Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand, Andrew, by in three, two, one. Cue, Andrew. Good morning and welcome back to Squawk Box right here on CNBC. I'm Andrew Ross Sorkin along with Joe Kern. Becky's off today. Joseph, it's just the boys this morning. We've got a lot going covered. on, though. Still got the entire we've, world covered between, between the two try. of us. We got the Texas types. We got the New York types. We got everybody covered. I'm not from Texas, but you know what I mean. What happened to those restaurant uh, guys, Andrew? What, they're, now they're I, suing. I thought they were all going to meekly uh, go along with that edict. I mean, it's complicated, is it not? We can't gonna, count on we're anybody. We're going to talk about masking in New York, and maybe I will, will I have a mea culpa about, uh, about New Yorkers. We'll see. How we'll about see. the who? How but, about the WHO is mad that we're going to give a third shot? I mean, we, we, we just can't. Yep. We develop it. We give it to everyone and we still get in trouble for trying to do, do what's right. Anyway, you're right. Let's start with. Uh, let's, we're going to hit all of these topics and so much more. The fireworks will begin. President Biden making multiple announcements uh, in the fight against the Delta variant. He announced plans to offer a third shots. Uh, to adults that receive Pfizer that, or Moderna, the two mRNA vaccines, eight months after the second dose. Only a small fraction of people going to the hospital today are those who have been vaccinated. But we have a responsibility to give the maximum amount of protection, all of you the maximum amount. Earlier today, our medical experts announced a plan for booster shots to every fully vaccinated American, adult American. You know, this will boost your immune response. It will increase your protection from COVID-19. And it's the best way to protect ourselves from new variants that could arise. He moved to withhold federal funding from nursing homes where the workers aren't vaccinated. He also vowed to use his authority and legal action to deter states from banning universal masking in uh, classrooms. And the news, uh, the news comes as the CDC released three studies showing Reduce protections uh, from the vaccine against mild and moderate COVID illness over time. The critics of the booster shot plan said it's unclear 
whether the decline in efficacy came from a lapse in precautions, like wearing masks, or a rise in the uh, highly contagious Delta variant. We should also note the studies showed the vaccines remain highly effective against the worst outcomes like hospitalizations or death. I think I'm, you know, when I, I was kidding about us with the vaccines, I love my messenger. I, I was, you know, I got one the day I was able to. And then I, I you know, showed up the next time and, and you know, hugged the people that, you know, to, to take that off the table, the, you know, the horrible hospitalization, ventilator, to take that off the table to me was such a no-brainer. What I'm frustrated about, and I'd get a third one, give it to me, let me know. I think October it might be. But, Andrew, what, what makes me, I don't know, disillusioned is that you can have two double-vaxxed people yep. in close proximity. Yep. And you now it, that doesn't mean that everything's fine because... The one double-vaxxed person could have uh, an asymptomatic case that they give to the right. other double-vaxxed person who then goes home and gives it to the kids who aren't vaccinated. So we're right. not, we're not, when does so this we, end? When is it so over? So we know, we know people like that, actually. Um, I actually have some firsthand, I, not firsthand experience as it hasn't happened to us, but we know people who had outdoors, two people outdoors, double-vaxxed, uh, got it and then gave it to other people. Which is extraordinary. They Maybe they didn't get it from each other. They, they may have gotten it from unvaxxed people, right? No, that's they, pretty. They, the, the two double-vaxxed people. Everyone was vaxxed, and they, someone gave it to someone else, and then one see. person. Right, two people were double-vaxxed. One of whom had a breakthrough case, didn't know it. That breakthrough case went to the person who was also double-vaxxed. That person then had dinner the next night uh, indoors with somebody else who was double-vaxxed. That person got it. That person had children. The children got it. I think the, this breaks when children can get the vaccine. And I and I think when you feel comfortable that older people who've had the third shot and I think you just need to take the hospitalization and right. um, hospitalization death off the table. If that can be taken off the table, then I, I then I think we're going to have to go about our, our lives right. and just assume well, we that we're going to get extent. this maybe along the way. But, but maybe it's not going to be so shot. bad. I should, then you're I should tell you, most of those in, in most of the cases of the, the people I just told you about, um, they did not have terrible outcomes. Um, one, oddly enough, ended up getting Regeneron for other reasons. But um, it, these, weren't, these weren't cases where there was, you know, demonstrable hospitalization or death as a result. And so I think if you can get the whole country to that place, maybe the whole thing changes. Right. But, but then you, you're going to still have other variants floating around. And if you don't have enough people who aren't vaccinated, then you have a, you know, that's a challenge. I still would like to know, now I'm seeing, you know, that at least the, there are claims that people that have had COVID itself have, have better protection than the vaccines, but then I've heard the, the opposite be. posited by, by Dr. Scott. And then you've got the whole, uh, the journal has a piece. Actually, the journal is like uh, Vaccinista in this case, uh, they're on board. Uh, Andrew, yep. because they, they, uh, they're, they're pushing back against the WHO. Uh, and they say three right. cheers for, for the Biden administration for, for ignoring the WHO's vaccine shaming. Vaccine nationalists, they're calling us, because a lot of us have two. A lot of the world don't have any. So here we are thinking about getting a third. Right. And so that's, you know, we can never do anything right. It's, it's such a challenging situation to figure out what the, what the right answer is. I like to think getting, getting a third, especially the people who need to get a third right now, sh should be a priority here. But then the question, of course, is how can we just make 
How can we make so much of this? This goes back to that whole IP discussion we had about intellectual property and whether, you know, right. Pfizer well, and Moderna are supposed to open it up and manufacture it through other through others. I would love to just see us trying to manufacture more of it more quickly. Right. And I, I don't know how we could do that. Well, you if don't there want a way to compel you want to manufacture. Yeah, I, I would, you want to manufacture right. really high-quality vaccines, and that's what these guys are, are already doing, regardless of whether you're talking about protecting their intellectual property. They can do it right. better, probably get more allowing them to do it instead of trying to, uh, to farm it out. But let's not forget how quickly we develop. I mean, I, you know, Pfizer and Moderna, I, I, you know, I, it, it's really great that that technology was around right. and ready to be adapted to this because we all take it for granted at this point that, the deaths are down. Worst case scenario is off the table for, for many, many people. So uh, we need to look at that half full. Macy's reporting results for the second quarter, raising guidance for fiscal 2021. Companies earning an adjusted $1.29 per share. That's versus an estimate of 19 cents. Company also reinstating its dividend and announcing a $500 million uh, buyback. Joe? Put a little meat on that bone, Andrew. Did you hear what you said? A $1.29. The estimate was 19 cents. We yep. said they, they said they raised. Huge. Yeah. And then they, we said they raised guidance. They raised earnings per share guidance to 341 to 375. And the guidance had been $1.71. So I, I'm not good at math. Or actually, I'm pretty good at math. But that's isn't that like double? Yep. Isn't $1.71 double to three four? So. I mean, I, just to, I don't know if we should just gloss over uh, how unbelievable that is. It's a pretty term- big beat. Yes. Big. big. Bigly. We didn't know if people were going to buy clothes. Remember, that was always the big thing. Everyone's going to buy stuff for their house. Be at maybe home maybe this jammies. was the quarter that people thought they were going to go out and peacock. Remember? Yep. And I'm um, not talking about the streaming service. I'm talking about peacocking because they thought they were going to go back to the office and go out to dinner. And they were going to do that. They were going to dress you up to the nines proud, for it. proud. Proud peacock. You got the thing here, you know, every peacock, day. And, uh, peacock. You do. I'm trying to think of what bird. I'm not a peacock. I love peacock. Buzzard, maybe. The first signs uh, of the impact on the Delta variant showing up in uh, the high frequency economic data. That's the focus of the latest CNBC road back barometer. Steve Leisman joins us with it. Do you come up with, I mean, the, the All-America, who comes up with this stuff? Do we have a road back barometer now, Leisman? Who came up with that? Is that you? The, the, the junior economics reporter, <laughs> Joe. Okay. You, yeah. And how many are there of, of, of those? Uh, you've got like a, a staff of uh, tens of dozens? Officially or in my mind? Let's just let people think. <laughs> Okay, zero. I thought there in my more brain, I have six or seven people working for me on a daily uh, basis. Uh, no, I see. I see. Joe, you're talking this, all this unfortunately <laughs> all the time. This unfortunately, Joe, is a bit of a road backward barometer. The effects of the Delta variant too recent to show up in the official data, uh, but they are showing up in the high frequency reports that we read. The effect has been modest so far, flattening out the upward slope of the recovery for some series, but actually propelling some outright declines in others. Here are the three gauges we're watching this week. Open table reservations. They had exceeded the 2019 level in June. Now they stand 9% below it. JP Morgan card spending tracker for in-store spending 
It's 3.9 percent the January below, sorry, the January 2020 level. It had made steady progress of catching up to card not present. We'll see that in a minute. The gap is now widened. And UKG shift work, that's a high frequency proxy for employment. It slipped more this August than it did last August. Now, let's take a look here because it looks like most of the weakness in the data stems from weakness in the south and southeast where the Delta variant has indeed exploded. Take a look at open table growth in open table bookings in Florida and Texas. They've declined sharply, but not nearly as much. They're much flatter in California and New York. That suggests a Delta connection. There had been a steady increase in spending in store, according to J.P. Morgan's credit card data. But the gap looks once again, it's widening with card not present, which is good for the Internet retailers again, but not necessarily the brick and mortar stores. The question for the broader economy Now one of spread, spread of the Delta variant, spread of fear that could derail the return to economic activity, especially things like services that's propelled the rebound so far. And Joe, to answer that question, I think you need an epidemiologist and a psychologist, right? Because people are afraid and they're they're just tired of being afraid, too. All right. Uh, Thank you for that that road back uh, barometer. Andrew, I guess we're, we're, we're going to go to break in a second, but I, I, I'm thinking about, about this again. If you do go back to stores like we saw with Home Depot and Target, and if you go back to Macy's, then you're talking clothes. You're probably right about that. I don't know why Steve's still on. I guess he's a... a, a apparel, a, Joe. Joe, so, apparel's been well, doing pretty good. Yeah, but do you, if you do go back, because online, you don't order your... Bill Black, I don't know, what suits, what do you, what's your favorite, Andrew, now, what do you, you, you your, uh... Suits? You, yeah. I still like a great, a great Ralph Lauren suit, you know I, that's my, my weakness. So you don't order those online, so if you are going no. back, you would expect Macy's probably might do better than those other stores where you could have, where they're actually getting fewer, not fewer, but maybe not as many right. orders. Uh, online. So maybe it makes sense for for Macy's to be really... My question for Steve, the economist, is if the money's moving back into clothing and people are still buying at Home Depot, if you believe that, does that mean that they're buying less tech? Because remember, there was a whole period where people were saying, I'm not buying fashion, I'm buying a phone. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I I think there's been... The way I think this tech stuff works, and and you know better than I would, is it's kind of cyclical, right? You come out with a new iPhone and all of a sudden the electronics portion of the retail sales report goes surging up. Um, people, I think, bought a lot of tech for their home. I think they're buying less tech right now for that. They, they maybe had some threadbare clothing that they were wearing every day, even if they weren't going into the office. It was time to replace some of that stuff. Um, you know, I just want to say one thing, Andrew. I think we all get overly focused on this darn retail sales report. And I want to back up because retail sales are only 30% of total consumer spending. Services is the bulk of spending by consumers. And we have really, really lousy data about services. Our statistics departments fail us. There's one stinking quarterly report about the service sector. I know we got a wrap here, but I'm on a rant. And it just really makes what I think has happened why that retail sales report fell was because there was a shift in the services. And the point of my report that I'm most worried about is not are people not going to go to Macy's or buy from Amazon. It's are they not going to go to restaurants, not going to go to um, to concerts and that whole service sector. That was the thing that was down so much. That's what needs to come back to make this economy right. And that's what I'm most worried about with the Delta variant. Okay. Thank you for uh, for the context, Steve. That actually is important. 
Next on Squawk Pod, the Taliban in Afghanistan is barred from some social media for now, but not everyone agrees. Investor Kevin O'Leary. It is a platform of war when you start to talk about information and misinformation. And it's better to know what the enemy's doing than to ignore it and think you can shut it down. And Anti-Defamation League CEO Jonathan Greenblatt. It's deeply naive to think that the light of transparency will stop their terror. I believe in competition. So let the Taliban tell the world their story somewhere else. That lively debate right after this. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration. Our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Roll alpha, up track. This is Squawk Pod from CNBC. Here's Andrew Ross Sorkin. As the Taliban took control of Afghanistan, it sought to use social media to spread its message. And now Facebook, Twitter and YouTube face the serious decision of whether to allow a government that's considered a terrorist organization and under sanctions uh, by the U.S. to use their platforms, which begs the question, are social media platforms being inconsistent here, given that they banned the former U.S. President Donald Trump? Joining us right now to navigate what is a very thorny and tricky issue, Jonathan Greenblatt, CEO and National Director of the Anti-Defamation League. Also, Kevin O'Leary, investor, venture capitalist, CNBC contributor, and so much more. Now the judge, basically, is what we should call you, uh, Mr. Wonderful. But uh, I want to start with you, Jonathan, this morning, trying to sort of gauge where, where are you at on this? What, what do you think, is it, what do you think these, these social media platforms are supposed to do? What's the responsible thing to do? Well, I think it's a great question and the right thing to be asking this morning when we've seen this terror organization take over an entire country. And I would say there's really no rational reason why Twitter should be hosting the Taliban, let alone Facebook, Instagram, or any of these other services. Look, they all have their own terms of service. They call them Twitter rules. Facebook calls them community guidelines. guidelines, And a terror organization which suppresses the rights of women, which assassinates journalists, which brutalizes ethnic and religious minorities. I'm sorry, they shouldn't be allowed to exploit these technologies to sanitize their own terror activities. Now, the fact of the matter is, we should acknowledge that Facebook has taken them off, YouTube has taken them off, but it sort of defies logic why Jack Dorsey has failed to do so. I don't think it's that hard. I'm glad to see that they've stepped up the right way, and we hope that they'll continue to do that. Kevin, you on the other side of this? I am, actually. You know, one man's terrorist is another man's freedom fighter. And although that statement is difficult to digest, it is a fact. We're watching the governments of China and Russia probably recognize the Taliban for their own self-interests because they want the lithium that's mined there. And the truth is, at the end of the day, it's probably more important for us to see what messaging is coming out of there so we can fight it. I find it a very tricky slope to start deciding on one social media platform or another, what messaging should get out and what shouldn't. I would rather, for the sake of keeping our freedoms and not having people edit what I can see, 
let it all out there. And I've said this before, the cost of freedom, the cost of freedom of speech, the cost of allowing individuals to make their own personal decisions means that the lunatic fringe will always have a voice. That's the price. It maybe it's one or 2% of the content, but that's what you have to live with if you want the freedom to actually make your own decision right. of what content you can look at Kev, or your family Kevin, can see or what you want. Uh, Kevin, can I just jump in here? And maybe I'm jumping in on behalf of Jonathan. But talking about that freedom, the freedom of choice of a corporation like a Facebook or a Twitter or a Google, which owns YouTube, to make that choice. How do you feel about that? You've always been a free marketeer. It's a policy decision by the board. I am a free marketeer, and I get your point, and I agree with you. They are private. They can make their own decisions. But let me pose a question to you, Andrew and Jonathan, and this is rather sobering. As you may know, I've invested in many veteran-run businesses because they tend to do very well in setting goals and achieving them in the private sector. One of them recently called me up and said, on, on the canceling of Donald Trump, the commander in chief off Twitter specifically. Now, I don't want to get into politics, but that was that man's commander in chief. He did multiple terms risking his life in Afghanistan. He cannot understand how it's possible that an American citizen gets canceled permanently. That voice is erased from a global platform like Twitter, and it could be any senator, could be any congressman, could be any American citizen, and yet the Taliban that he was tasked to go fight speaks to him every day on Twitter. How can that possibly be right? Either of you answer me that question. Wow, Jonathan. Kevin, I, I, I never would have guessed you'd be making the woke argument that one man's freedom fighter is another man's terrorist, but I actually believe in Western values, Kevin like the right of women, girls to be educated, the right of women to work if they want to, the right of religious minorities to pray how they choose. Kevin, I'm also a capitalist, and I absolutely think that there are lots of options on social media for the Taliban other than Twitter. And again, whether you're an elected official or a terrorist figure, anyone who incites violence against others Anyone who exploits these technologies to spread a kind of extremism, the companies have the right as publishers to say they choose not to put that on. Now, look, Kevin, again, when you're willing to do Shark Tank Kandahar edition and have Talibs pitch you alongside those American veterans, I be I'll believe your argument. But honestly, Kevin, because I believe in those veterans and their sacrifice and their service, I am surprised that you're making the argument for the mullahs. Like you said, there's always a fringe, Kevin. Let's just keep them on the fringe and on mainstream platforms. Let's dignify those who who behave with a degree of decency. Jonathan, Kevin, not I think we, we agree there's, a, there's always a fringe. The problem is I don't want you deciding what I can see and not see. Neither does that veteran. They are willing to take on the information as it comes and make their own personal decisions. And that's the challenge all of these private companies have. When you start editing content, when you personally decide what I can see, 
I am not okay with that. I would rather take in that data, see what the enemy is doing with social media and combat it. Because you can recall only just a couple of years ago, they were actually recruiting on social media far better than any other army was. That was when the Taliban was, was waging fights in, in Syria and actually getting people from Europe to come and fight with them because they did such a great job on social media. What we should have been doing is countering that with our own social media. It is a platform of war when you start to talk about information and misinformation. And it's better to know what the enemy's doing than to ignore it and think you can shut it down and worse, decide what an American citizen can see and not see. That well, goes against the fundamental right of a democracy. And there's where you're going to go down a, a very slippery slope. And I agree it's a huge debate, but you never answered my question. What was the answer to that vet? Why is his commander in chief shut down when the enemy isn't? Why? Well, look, I think they should shut down the enemy. That's the whole purpose of this conversation. I don't think the Taliban belongs on Twitter, Kevin. Apparently you do. And I get that. And I, you probably want to decolonize social media. That's your choice. But it's my firm belief that if you incite hatred, if you cause violence, you shouldn't be doing that on main platforms. Again, maybe we have a fundamental disagreement, Kevin. I think these companies are publishers, just like CNBC has the right to have Squawk Box Taliban edition. I think Twitter has the right to say, we don't want to privilege you with access to our technologies. I don't think that, Kevin, again, let me be clear. They can have their space on social media. I just don't think we need to amplify their voice. Let them work. Put them on Parler, Kevin. That's a platform we've talked about before. Put them on Friendster. They don't belong on Facebook. And on this, I agree with Mark Zuckerberg. I don't think they should be up there. And th there's a reason why Mark and Cheryl are taking them down. Jack should do the same. It's simple. And put them somewhere else. Kevin, they have the right to express their opinion. But as you know, I just think these so, companies so don't have to publish I, their terrorist I, content. They don't want to. So you're basically curating the content platform by platform. You're saying the brands are different and social media. Remember, Facebook is a global platform. There are billions of people on there that don't agree with your point of view. And that's the whole point of social media. It is a platform by which we debate these issues. Kevin, it's not the public square. They're private companies. They're private companies. They have shareholders. Kevin, part of this is a business decision. And so let me ask it to you differently. You've you are a big advertiser. Your company's advertised on Facebook. You've talked about the great benefits of Facebook and Instagram and, and the like. And they're often, most advertisers want to be in, quote, safe spaces. So my question to you is, do you want to have an advertisement appearing as if you might even support the Taliban next to content from the Taliban. That's the calculus that if you're Mark Zuckerberg, you have to you have to calculate, I imagine. You know, the fact is, Andrew, that Facebook is my number one spend. And for all the bashing it takes, you can note, look at the stock price, put the chart up. Nobody cares. While these issues are very important, I also am well aware that you have a situation when it comes to Facebook that I can geolock my ads. And there's many tools they have that avoid me advertising on the Taliban page. I don't have to do that. These are very sophisticated platforms now. So that the issue you're bringing up actually doesn't happen in the real world. People are not stupid. They look at what's going on on Facebook and they can make their own personal decisions. That's how it works. Again, hey, Jonathan, have you had any contact? Have you had contact with Twitter about this? We have. We have had contact with Twitter about this, asking for Twitter to basically apply the same standards to the Taliban that they apply to David Duke and Richard Spencer. Like this one, you know, there are hard questions, 
But this one is actually easy. If you promote ideas like chopping off the hands of thieves or forcing women to wear veils and stay at home and engage again in forcible marriage to terrorists, it's just not difficult. And to look, they should call you Mr. Wonderful. I'm sorry, they should call you Mr. Woke. Because I simply think there are Western values we've all got to abide There's something you haven't thought of here, and I want to point it out to you. We have have this debate every few months. When you throw the light of transparency on what the Taliban does, and I agree with you, these are horrific deeds. But when you let social media expose them to the entire world, don't you think that pressures them to do exactly what you want, to stop doing that, to give women their rights, to have pressure from other peoples from around the world to push back saying, what you're doing is wrong. How do you do that? on social media. So what you're actually doing and espousing may not help at all. Shutting off their voice and not letting it being exposed to the rest of the world is a bad idea. That's my whole point. Transparency, the light of transparency can solve a lot of problems when people around the world use the platforms to push back. That's my whole point. Please tell that to the families of the journalists who've been assassinated in the past few months while they watch Taliban spokespeople sanitize their terror. Please tell that to the women and girls desperately trying to escape Kabul and Herat and every other city. Like, Kevin, I think, with all due respect, it's deeply naive to think that the light of transparency will stop their terror. And again, we, I come back to the argument of Adam Smith and capitalism. I believe in competition. So let the Taliban tell the world their story somewhere else. Hey, it's Jonathan, not too hard. Uh, I'm listening, and I I always come back to you with with something similar to what Kevin says, and that's putting one of these who who truly are woke. Kevin is not woke, but putting Zuckerberg or or Dorsey or one of these truly woke people in charge of who gets to use their platform can have political consequences. And I don't care what you think of Donald Trump and what you think of January 6th, but there's maybe it's not half the country, but there's a lot of country that part of the country that maybe doesn't agree with the most um, hyperbolic. Uh, uh, blame that's been ascribed to the former president about what happened that day. You effectively are not allowing him to participate in the electoral process in 2022 or 2024, and you've got a guy sitting there keeping him off the the viewpoint of a billion people in, in an election. You don't have any worries that the media has come to the point where it can silence someone in the political process because they say he's equivalent to the to the Taliban? You don't have any problem with that. Well, look, I think it's very reasonable, Joe, to talk about the power that these companies have and whether it's time for government to engage in a kind of regulatory intervention. These companies have an extraordinary amount of authority, more so than any elected government in some ways. And the monopolistic indifference, Joe, definitely concerns me. But I'm here today to talk about the fact that the Taliban and its terror doesn't deserve to be on you kind Twitter. You punted on that, Jonathan. Do you think it's wrong to, to, to take a to, to really be gaming the election for obviously maybe they have I a mean, preference one way or the other. This I, think, have, I mean, if, if one hundred thousand dollars elected Trump in the first place because of Facebook and Russia, what is this doing by keeping that entire viewpoint off Twitter uh, between now and 2022 and beyond? I don't know about the $100,000 in Russia, but I'll just be very clear. I think if you violate a publisher's terms of service, whether it's CNBC or Twitter, right, the publisher has the right to say if they, they want your the content right. on there or not. It's a lot of so power, if, as you say. It's a lot of power. Yeah. And, and I, it's the, sip, the slippery slope argument is there. The Taliban and cutting off hands is one thing. 
Uh, having someone that, that I don't know, they, there's guys been banned for questioning masks or for I don't, it, it, it's very strange who's sitting in a position of power and able to do these things. And I don't which want to give anyone that think, power. Which is why we think the companies need more transparency. I mean, I'll be honest, Kevin just used the or Andrew raised the example of ads against uh, Taliban content. Right. We've seen companies like P&G, Unilever and others find their products, their brands flighted against awful white supremacist extremist content. And Facebook has been incredibly opaque about that. Transparency and competition are good things for companies, good things for consumers, good things for the country. Kevin, 20 seconds. More light, more transparency. I would open these platforms up for the cost of just the ability to let the lunatic fringe have their voice. I'm okay with that. I keep telling everybody, and I don't know why anybody ever listens, people are not stupid. They make their own decisions all around the world. They don't need anybody telling them what to see, what to do. They make that decision themselves. That's what I'm really for. Okay, Kevin, uh, Jonathan, appreciate it. Uh, I think I'm with Jonathan here. My worry, of course, uh, that uh, lunatics will see the lunatic fringe and become more lunatic. uh, But uh, that's one man's view for the day. Uh, Talk to you guys soon is a very good uh, and I think thought provoking conversation. The ACLU used to mean something different, though. Andrew, remember that? Remember when lawyers represent terrorists and, and the ACLU would come to their defense immediately. That's, that's true, too. They've totally that, folded. They've totally folded on this issue. I don't know about that, it, but I think there's... <laughs> All right. We should have Jonathan come on back to talk about that. So. Yeah, we will. Squawk Pod. We'll be right back. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. And that is Squawk Pod for today. Thanks for listening. On our rundown tomorrow, sports icon Billie Jean King joins us. She describes her trailblazing career. Eight other colleagues and I were called the original nine. That was the birth of women's professional tennis. And her role in the fight for gender and pay equity in sports. The three considerations were that any girl in the world, if she's good enough, would have a place to compete. Number two, we would be appreciated for our accomplishments, not only our looks. And number three, finally, to make a living playing tennis uh, that we love so much. And we had all come from amateur tennis a few years before that, where we were making $14 a day. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 Eastern to get the smartest takes and analysis from our TV show right into your ears. Listen and follow Squawk Pod wherever you get your podcasts. We'll meet you back here tomorrow. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. 
That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.